0: sada shiva samarambham shankara acharya madhyamam asmada acharya avyantam guru parampara om um, namaste to everyone it is my joy and an honor, again during this uh, sacred time of thanksgiving and in this retreat, uh, we have been focusing on the topic of bhakti or devotion, which is extremely central and integral to our lives as. Sādhakās. Sādhakās means seekers, something. Everyone is a sādhaka, so to speak. (laughs) Everybody is seeking something or the other. But the word uh, sādhaka definitely uh, means that the the one who is seeking the truth of Bhagavan, the truth of the self, which is one and the same because all this here is one there is one bhagavan and one atma the atma happens to be bhagavan and this is a very big topic and it takes a lifetime to understand and assimilate and live this life and without bhakti this understanding of oneself as non separate from the whole universe and from the source of the universe is not even a possibility without bhakti one can kiss mukti goodbye and so therefore this is a very important topic the various manifestations of which we have seen in the talks by all the speakers swamis uh, who have who have shared their scholarship their expertise their experience and the topic for today is very important also because it focuses on what we call the lives of saints it's a very popular topic as well uh, because there is some something comforting about reading the biography of people who are saintly why is this comforting if we ask very very interesting why is the lives of why are the lives of saints reading about the lives of saints why on earth should it be comforting it is comforting because it, it gives hope. Many reasons. The first reason is it gives hope. You, you, know, you don't want to read the life of some ordinary person. That <laughs> is boring. Why? Because our own lives are boring <laughs> and an ordinary person is just like ourselves. Same kind of anger, same kind of reactivity, same kind of impatience. Same, same, same old, same old. Who is interested in that? This is not a story worth being written. I woke up and then I had a temp- temper tantrum for breakfast. <laughs> and, then, and then I had anger for lunch. And despair for dinner. Who wants this kind of a life story? This we are all too familiar with. And therefore we need we want something and we are attracted to something out of the ordinary in the face of anger the person who is back angry is not something worth looking at but the one who reacts with kindness in the face of anger is someone that to whom we are attracted The one who gives love instead of retaliating, the one who gives some kind of a different, a slightly different reaction or rather response than the ones with which we are familiar is something that attracts. This is what attracts. But, This is again a very intriguing question. Why does this attract? Because we have seen and it is our experience that in the world, which is a very competitive place, you have to learn to defend yourself. You have to speak for yourself. Everybody teaches us this starting with the parents. Everybody says... You have to have boundaries. You have to not let people, uh, you know, take advantage of you. You have to, you have to have, you know, between you and the other, there have to be strict boundaries. And then, but yet, we yearn to, and, and we are drawn to the lives of saints. We have a longing to cast off these boundaries. This is an innate yearning in the heart of all. An innate yearning. I don't want these boundaries. I don't want these, these, uh, these divisions. I don't want to be angry. I don't want to react with anger. In fact, that disturbs me. Whenever I'm impatient, I wish to be patient whenever i am unkind i wish i had been compassionate whenever i'm angry i wish i had been more understanding whenever i'm resentful i wish i had commanded the power to forgive whenever i'm bitter i want to be sweet this is this is the universal human human yearning not just confined to one particular ashram or people who go to that ashram this is this is a universal value or people go belonging to a particular religion no it's a universal value kindness compassion understanding non-reactivity non-retaliation a yearning to be boundless This is not a Christian value or a Muslim value or a Hindu value or a Buddhist value. It transcends religion. In fact, the religions are made to give us an avenue to to discover this about ourselves. This This is the truth. And so therefore, we have to, therefore, one is attracted to to the lives of saints. They embody what we want to be and what we wish we become. The Shastra, the teachings, talk about two kinds of growth as far as the human being is concerned. All other beings, Dogs, cats, trees, uh, all these, they only enjoy one kind of growth, which is the physical growth. A being is born, it survives birth, it grows, it blossoms, becomes capable of reproduction, and then it starts to feel weak and loses some of its powers and finally the body is destroyed. This is the trajectory, meaning the journey of the physical growth. Everybody has it, from an ant to a human being. These six-fold modifications, all beings are subject to. Human being also, same thing. Shadvikaraha in Sanskrit, six-fold modifications from birth to death, everybody undergoes. However, if we look closely, we find that with all other beings, they, are, they appear to be content with having these six-fold modifications. A cow grows up and becomes a mother cow, has a calf and so long as it does not end up between two slices of bread it seems to be happy and it's allowed to live its life without being slaughtered for food it is happy it is content no cow thinks i think i need to go join an ashram (laughs) i need to go improve myself these days i'm butting my head against so many people so i need to i need to learn anger management no cow thinks. no donkey says i need you know lessons in uh, in, in 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 patience because i keep kicking everybody who comes and stands in front of me or behind me rather so no donkey says that and No dog says, I want to go to America for a better life for my puppies. No, no dog says that. But with the human being, there is a different kind of growth expected and anticipated. And what is this growth? This is emotional growth. Why? Uh, A spiritual growth emotional growth. Why? Because only the human being is capable of this growth. All other beings are not capable of emotional growth because they are programmed more or less. They may have a few small desires. The cow will think that the pasture is green always on the other side. They may have a few desires but for the most part they are (laughs) they are free to be who they are. But the human being begins the life in discontentment not content with who i am i want to improve i want to be better i want to be free free of self judgment free of self-loathe i want to be accepting of myself and others i want to have self-love a love so powerful that it radiates to that which is called the self in the shastra the atma which is everything This is what one wants and therefore the human being is blessed with the potential for two kinds of growth. There is a small difference between the first growth the physical growth and the second growth the emotional slash spiritual growth. What is the difference? (laughs) The difference is The first one happens on its own. Ishwara takes care of it. God takes care of it. You don't have to pray to get the first wrinkle on your face. Oh God, all my contemporaries are having wrinkles and laugh lines. And the feet of the crow. What is a crow? The feet of the crow. The lines that come behind the eyes. You know. That is called feet. Something. Crow feet. Or something like that. You don't have to pray. Oh God, give me a wrinkle. It will come. Don't worry. Get married. It will definitely come quicker. Okay. Because you have to manage so many. You have to get adjusted to so many people. And it will come. And nobody says, where is my first gray hair? (laughs) I'm not finding it. Oh, God, please give me a gray hair. It will come. It will come. Enroll for graduate studies. Gray hair will come. Okay, definitely. And then, you know, nobody nobody needs to pray for that or strive for that or struggle for that at all comes on its own. Kalena. means in time it comes. Whereas the growth that we are talking about, the second kind of special growth that is meant for the human being alone, this second growth, emotional, spiritual growth, one has to initiate on one's own this is why this is where great grace is required <laughs> great grace is required to understand yes there is something i'm wanting and great grace punya is required to see see that i'm capable of this and great grace is required finally to initiate this growth and that is what you know the ashrams represent the ashrams Protect the desire for this growth and help to further it through the teachings of the Vedas, the Upanishad, Yoga, all these things. Life-affirming teachings create a wonderful space to protect the desire for this growth and help it further. And this growth, to be the best that one can finds its culmination in the lives of saints holy people people who have transcended the need for religion people who have shown us and who continue to show us that there are there are ways to be in this world without being the same old same old reactive and impatient angry bitter resentful, revengeful because this is this does not elevate the human spirit one feels down in fact if you are angry at someone and you scream and shout at them you are in pain the other person is also in pain no doubt but you are more in pain so what is this anger that puts the that puts the giver and the receiver of the anger in pain what kind of a life is this and so the lives of saints become an important uh, antidote to this way of being which appears natural but it is not it i wouldn't say it is natural to be revengeful I would say it is habitual to be uncompassionate, revengeful, bitter, and resentful. It's a habit which is reinforced collectively and individually. We see others and we justify our behavior. So therefore, the lives of saints become an important antidote to see that something is possible so that we can emulate them at least in small ways day to day, day to day small ways. And the, uh, the beauty of this is that in our tradition, you don't need anybody's permission to be a saint. You don't need a certificate from some authority you are a saint stamped that too 400 years after a person's death you don't need that you don't need somebody to stamp and say you are a saint and that kind of a sainthood is for the few and the far between like some special chosen people the All Saints Club is an exclusive club of people who, who have been chosen and selected to be part of this group. No, saintliness in the Hindu Dharma is the, is the, is the, uh, is the culmination of one's growth. It is the universal destiny of everyone to be a saint. This is your future. This is your destiny. This is what we have to seize and quote unquote become. Why become? Because one is already that. Because I want to be kind. We say you are already kind. That kindness. Is eclipsed by the Rahu of wrong desires. Rahu is a shadow planet by the Rahu and Ketu another shadow planet of wrong desires. The saintliness is eclipsed, the saintliness is obfuscated by fear, by desire, by wrong projections. Somebody is out to get me, therefore I have to get them first. These are wrong projections. And so therefore, the self-initiated transformation becomes very difficult because of the habitual orientations. That is why the lives of, of saints are so attractive. Very, very attractive. and. I have been asked today to share a few stories in fact this was also one of the topics given to me for i think an earlier retreat i think maybe uh, the labor day uh, retreat or something like that right yeah shivani remembers she's nodding so i must say that you know i'm not an expert on saints but I think this is a topic that is important. And so really speaking, it is not a repetition because we have so many saints to choose from. And I'm not very, you know, I don't have a very good memory. I don't remember all that I talked about in the last talk. But the hope is that some of the stories will be new and will help us connect to the best of ourselves as we hear them. The first sage or saint that we are going to talk about is from the Vedas. In fact, her name is repeated. You know, when we take the name of the entire lineage of sages, her name is repeated. And she is credited with uh, with uh, two hymns, uh, with, with channeling two hymns in the Vedas her name is ghosha ghosha and uh, the daughter of a very devout and celebrated rishi kakshivan kakshivan and this kakshivan rishi had two sons and a daughter by the name of ghosha i have forgotten the sons name and it is not important because their worth, names are not worth remembering anyway as you will see in the story <laughs> why their names are not worth remembering unfortunately ghosha at a young age had some kind of a disfigurement disease we don't know what maybe vitiligo or maybe um, you know where there are white patches on the skin some people say or maybe it was uh, leprosy we do not know and so uh, she was you know even though she was very beautiful there was some disfigurement as the story goes and unlike her brothers who were not interested in anything spiritual she became the student of her father and studied the Vedas, studied Vedanta under his tutelage. And then she was the rightful recipient of the small ashram that he had, somewhere it is told, in northeast India. She was the rightful recipient because she was the one who had sat and studied at the feet of the father. And she became what is called a famous brahmavadini a teacher of Brahman. The father bequeathed the ashram and to her and then passed away. And the brothers who were missing in action all this time returned after the father's death and plotted to take back the ashram from her and render her who is sick, who is disfigured, homeless without the ashram, money less, penny less. These two were big businessmen and then they wanted the ashram also. And so they cooked, they came back and tried to harass her. First with some kind of, you know, like they tried to scare, let wild animals into the ashram. They, they caught a tiger and then set it free in the ashram. Their plans backfired because the tiger went to sleep in in front of the hut of Gosha. And in the morning, it began mewing instead of roaring. And then she petted it and sent it away. And she said, oh, you poor thing, you're lost. Your home is not here. Go back to the forest. And it went away. And then then the brothers not resting. They couldn't get sleep at night. How did this happen? We have to find out a, a, a bigger plot. Then they hired one man, a young man. Who was supposed to go? You know, there was some big, uh, some kind of a, you know, some. Uh, I think it was. It must have been Shankranti, where the the worship of the uh, uh, Bhagavan in the form of the sun is done, and then so everybody gathered at the river bank and to offer Argya, you know, handfuls of water to uh, to 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 Bhagavan in the form of the sun. Shankranti is the winter solstice and it comes in January 14th. There, are, So it looks like a story from around that time. So everybody was gathered on either side of the bank offering the Argyas and then this young man who was hired by these good-for-nothing brothers, see now they have a name, good-for-nothing, okay. And so, so these good-for-nothing brothers, you know, they hired this young man to, when she emerged from bathing in the river to offer the Argya, they hired this young man to embrace her in public and, and proclaim, Oh, you are my beloved. Stop this ashram and everything. Come and live with me. How long can we carry on this affair in secrecy? My heart burns for you. So on and so forth. And and then, you know, then, you know, they they said, are you sure you will do this? We are paying you a lot of money. We want, I mean, this is an age old thing. You know, if you want to, if you, you you just question the woman's character, that's what is the, the most effective. You, you, you destroy her reputation, then all the people in the village and in the ashram will throw tomatoes. Tomatoes means one is lucky, stones, throw stones at her and then, you know, drive her out. And then of course, we will come back and reclaim the father's ancestral property, which actually should belong to us. And again and again, the young man was cooled, and they said, this this sister of ours, she's a very wily creature. You don't know what she'll do. She knows some magic also. So because the tiger started to meow like a cat and so be careful. And for good measure, they bought him a little bit of a local brew, some toddy, and to make him drink so that he loses his inhibitions. And the young man said, yes, 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 I can do this. And yes, thank you for the money. And then he went at the appointed time. All the people were gathered and then Gosha dipped into the water and then was going to offer and he was supposed to embrace her. But then as she emerged from the river he saw her and then he was just blinded by her radiance the story goes and instead of embracing her fell at her feet and said accept me as your disciple O mother and let me study with you and serve you this is what happened and you know this is something which is very interesting because the story is not very well known and it is it is rare to find and so it is uh, yeah, you know it is something which is so beautiful it is beautiful because uh, even though we see it as her performing miracles it's not miracles it's not a miracle you are the miracle you are the miracle you living in your full potential you are the miracle and here we find that someone who has no inhibitions and is incapable of wrongdoing and, and is looking at this man with with none other than you know some some you know a universal love. Just she sees him as as herself, as non-separate from herself. And because the young man was of you know good character, a dharmic fellow, perhaps he had this transformation and falling at her feet, she revealed everything. And then the brothers also came out from hiding and asked asked her forgiveness. And then, and then she said, yes, you are forgiven, but please don't disturb the ashram anymore. Please go away. That is what, and you know, let you also live peacefully and let us live in peace. Then, you know, a devotee of hers, somebody said, you know, we, we just want you to enjoy full health. This disfigurement I cannot tolerate, all the devotees said. One of them started, and everybody was crying because she, they saw her see, uh, you know, getting weaker from this whatever disease of disfigurement she had. And she prayed to the Ashwin twins. Ashwin twins are assistants of uh, Dhanvantari, Bhagavan in the form of the healer who came with a pot of Amrita, uh, Amrita the, the nectar of immortality when the ocean was churned. What is this nectar of immortality? Brahmavidya, that is what, which teaches you that you are immortal. And so she prayed to the Ashwin twins who had studied with sage dadhyan and who knew everything and then they taught her and the portion of the Brahmavidya which appears in the Brihadaranyaka Upanishad as Madhu Vidya and then she was completely healed after she listened to this uh, story of uh, 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 sorry to the teachings and out of gratitude she composed the second hymn that is what the story goes this is Saint Poet Saintess Gosha. And, and then the next one that we will take up today for our analysis for our narration is someone that comes a little later uh, in the seventeenth century, uh seventeenth or eighteenth century, I don't know, saint from Karnataka, India, whose name is Purandhara. Dasa. Purandara Dasa. And that was his spiritual name. His birth name was Sri Nivasa. Sri Nivasa was his birth name. And this Sri Nivasa was the most miserly fellow that you could ever encounter. Was not born, kind, compassionate, nothing. And if those qualities were there, they were. Uh, most hidden, most latent, not discoverable at all. And he was very rich. His father had a, uh, what is that called? Jewelry business. Jewelry business was there. And then uh, he inherited that business. And he had in those days a multi-story mansion. And he was known in the neighborhood as Navakoti Narayana. Navakoti means the one who has nine billions. Nine billions, meaning so rich. So he was a billionaire. And and everybody was frightened of him. He was mean. He was rude. He was condescending, meaning he looked down upon everyone. And of course, opposites attract. His wife Saraswati Bhai was the total opposite of him, saintly, pious and giving. And she too was very afraid of her husband. It is said that when he came home from work, he would head straight to the kitchen oh, for his food. No, 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 he would count how much rice was there, you know, and whether the wife had given some away in his absence. How much rice, how much dal is kept, how much wheat, everything he would count. And still somehow, the wife, we don't know who is the saint here, you know, this is a saint couple actually. Because she, as the story will go, she brings out the best in the husband. So it is said that she would take a handful of rice to give to the people, whoever came asking at the door. One or two handfuls she would keep. And then she would pray to Vishnu and say, you know what, refill this, okay, by evening, by the time he comes, please refill this because I don't want to be the, uh, be the recipient of his anger. He has a vile temper. Oh Lord, please help. And the lord always obliged and she didn't get into trouble so then one day the story goes that lord vishnu himself wanted to teach him a lesson so lord vishnu went to his office and said please uh, he, he disguised himself as a poor man a beggar without anything in the world this sad beggar and then went in tatters to his office, to the jewelry shop where everything, you know, there is abundance. just please give something. No, 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 this is not a household. Where will I have rice? Off with you. No, 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 please, you have so many jewels. Give me one, one small little, you know, this piece of gold, which is lying on the floor, which you're not even going to use, which you don't even know, which will probably be swept up. Off with you, he said. And he called the guards of the jewelry shop And had the man (laughs) taken by the neck and thrown outside and beaten for good measure. Then this fellow, Vishnu in the beggar's guise, went to Saraswati Bhai, the wife, and said, You know, I thought this is a giving neighborhood. (laughs) And I went to this man, he, 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 you know, he pretended not to know that this was the husband. I went to this man with the jewelry shop and look, mother, how he has beaten me up and he threw me out of the shop just because I wanted a meal. And I thought I wanted it. I just asked for a small, tiny little thread of gold that was lying on the floor and he wouldn't have used anyway. And then I it would have fed me for several days. So, you see, can you believe what he did? Saraswati boy was very moved and she said what to give now what to give him I can't send him just like this then she remembered that she had a nose stud a diamond nose stud given to her by her parents at the time of marriage aha this belongs to me truly this doesn't belong to the husband I can freely give it away she said so saying she removed it and then you know, put it in his hand, and then that's why Vishnu, Krishna, they are all tricksters. And then this Vishnu, in the guise of the poor man, the story goes, went back to the office, went back to the jewelry shop, and seeing him, Dasa, whose name was Sri Nibasa, said, Hey just half an hour back i kicked you out and you have you dare to come back he said hey treat me with respect i am a customer i have something to sell oh you don't have even clothes on your back proper clothes on your back what are you going to sell to me and he opens his hand and shows the diamond nose stud and this fellow is flabbergasted he says this is my this belongs to my wife i know the design i know this and surely he has gone to the wife and the wife has double crossed me and given this nose stud how dare she everything belongs to me and her jewelry belongs to me too and so he said okay i'll give the money later you stand here and he locked up the nose stud in, in the locker and hurried home and saraswati bai saw him coming from the, through the window and then she said okay i am done in for at least during the time of pandemic, you know, you wear a mask. You don't see that there is no nose stand because the nose is covered. But in those days, there was no pandemic. So she would have been outed quickly. And so the story goes that she just mixed herself some poison in a cup, mixed it with some water, and was, and she said, Hari, oh Lord, this is, you know, save me and she was about to drink and something glittered in at the bottom of the poison cup it was her own nose stud quickly she washed it and meanwhile this man is coming and banging the door open the door saraswati what is wrong with you i know you are hiding behind there and i know what you have done you're going to get the beating of your life and then to his surprise a very calm and beautiful Saraswati. With plus the nose stud opens the door. What's the matter? What's the matter, oh husband of mine? Try to be pleasant once in a while. Why are you always angry? What happened? And then he said, You're wearing the nose stud. She says, Of course I'll wear my nose stud. Will you wear it? Of course I will wear it. It's mine. What is your problem? And then he's very flabbergasted. Then he rushes back to his office, opens the lock- locker, it is missing. He himself had locked it. And then then he wants to know where this poor man is and the quote-unquote poor man has disappeared, vanished from the from the whole uh, place. A deep transformation happens to Srinivasa, who comes back and falls at his wife's feet and declares her to be his greatest teacher and he says I have been so wrong and I am 35 years old now and for the last 35 years I have caused so much distress and pain to Mother Earth because I have not taken care of her creatures. I have not taken care of my fellow beings even though I had so much. And then they had small children and all of them locked up the house, gave it away to charity, gave away everything and whoever wants can come and take it. Gave the key to whoever wanted and then set off into the streets. roamed most of the state of Karnataka, didn't settle down anywhere. And Saraswati was thrilled. She said, I knew you had it in you. I knew you had it in you. I knew I would see this day. And I'm so happy that it has come very quickly. And he met his teacher who gave him some kind of a karma yoga deeksha and changed his name to Purandharadasa a name of Lord Krishna and he was musically inclined and it is said that he composed 475,000 songs between the ages of 35 to 80 when he died when he passed away and very beautiful songs songs of devotion songs of knowledge his ishta devata was lord krishna and he is also seen as the as the um, as the father of south indian music called karnataka mu- karnatic music father of karnatic music and very you know so- songs that touched the heart they touch the heart because they are, they, they come from a place of sincerity, they come from a place of yearning and longing, and they come from a place of deep devotion. In one of them, he sings a very famous song. He sings, Oh, Mother Yashoda, I am jealous of you. Oh, Mother Yashoda, I am jealous of you. The one who because you lift and throw and catch that one who lifts and throws and catches the universe as though it were a small ball you lift and throw the baby krishna and catch him you throw him and catch him in delight and who is this krishna the one who throws the universe and catches it at will the one who projects this universe catches it and takes it back unto himself that krishna you throw into the air and catch him squealing with delight oh mother yashoda how can i not be envious of you These bring tears to the eyes because you can see this you can see the profundity you can see the profundity in this music so some beautiful songs are there beautiful songs are there like this and so this is this is saint sage purandharadasa and there is a temple there are many temples dedicated to him but there is one place in the open air in a place called hampi in karnataka where it is called purandharadasa mantapa where he it's kind of an open air mandapa where uh you know he he used to sit and compose songs for lord krishna vishnu etc Very beautiful. The moral of what we learn from this story of this particular saint is something so lovely. Because when we look at the antecedents of this Purandharadasa, you know, we recognize ourselves there. Why? Because the miserliness, the non-giving off with you, and this kind of a thing: angry, rude, pride and look at the transformation a complete 180 degree turn this kind of a transformation very difficult to have without the help of lord vishnu here yeah otherwise he would have gone gone his own way but something happened and for the skeptics skeptic within us who says? How is it possible for that same nose ring to be in the jeweler's locker and to be on the nose of the wife? How is that possible? Even if it is seen in, you know, even if it is seen in the sense of a mistaken identity or some kind of a mistake that he made, or if Saraswati Bai put an artificial nose stud just to fool the husband, who, who, anything is possible. Even if the skeptic within us says that. That doesn't matter because it's not about miracles it's about the transformation it's about the transformation from an ordinary person to an extraordinary person that is what catches here that is what is very 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 beautiful extremely beautiful then There are so many examples coming. I'm trying to decide which one we can talk about after this. So, the the other one is interesting. This is someone we know. The composer of the Ramayana, Valmiki. Also regarded as a great devotee, a great saint. And the story is that he was born in a as a Brahmana, in a Brahmana family but unfortunately where they lived and I don't know where because it's such an ancient time so wherever they lived suffered 12 years of constant rainlessness, drought, no rain at all and so therefore they had a lot of uh, uh, difficulty trying to upkeep themselves. So this man, Walmiki, whose name was Loha means the one who had iron thighs. Maybe he worked he liked to work out or something in you know, who knows. So he was like a wrestler, very strong. So Loha he took to Adharmic ways. He became a robber and he used to relieve people of their belongings Wherever they went. Crossing one village to another at night was terrifying because this fellow would first kill and then steal. Again, a miracle. And what is this miracle? Sage Narada, about whom we talked only a day and a half ago, comes into the picture. I told you whenever Narada comes, it is... It, uh, it, it is a harbinger, a messenger of self-growth. So Narada is the one who crosses his path. And Valmiki, as he was known later, says, Hey, stand and deliver. Give me all your belongings. Give me your gold. And if it had been modern times, he would have said, Give me your iWatch. Give me your cell phone. Give me everything. <laughs> and Narada is a mendicant. He is a sadhu. He had a bag with four chapatis that somebody had packed for his dinner. He says, this is all I have, chapatis. And he says, what? You have only chapatis? Who wants these chapatis? I want gold. I want this. I want that. Narada says, sorry. And is very angry. He says, I have not had anything. None of my earnings I have had today. And Narada says, I would call them earnings. I would call them Stealing other people's earnings. These are not your earnings. And mind you, you are attracting bad karma. Ha! Says Valmiki. Bad karma? I'm not attracting any bad karma because I'm doing it for my elderly parents. I'm doing it for my wife. I'm doing it for my children. Narada says, Oh, really? So, why don't you? I'll stand here. Why don't you go and ask them if they will share some of your papa, some of your bad karma, if they'll share? Of course they'll share. They are my people. Okay, go ask them. And for good measure, he ties Narada to a tree because he's very angry. Now he's challenged and so he goes, you know, goes back home in the middle of the night. And since he's a nocturnal fellow, everybody gets worried. Why has the children not worried? Why has father come back in the middle of the night? Did you get caught? Are you being sentenced to death by the, the king's men? What happened? No, no, no. I want to find out something. So everybody gathers. The wife, the parents, the you know, they gather. And then he says, look, I know I have to do all this robbery. And they say it's a bad thing. Yeah, it's a bad thing, but I have to do this because i'm feeding all of you so will you partake of my bad karma because narada the stupid sage who i have tied up to a tree says that i'm having so much bad karma so will you you will share it right the parents who are the first to speak say (laughs) uh, no because there are other ways we are old we, we we cannot hear very well, we cannot see very well and we are dependent on you. So we are just keeping quiet. But for you, there are other ways and we have told you that there are other ways. We have told you repeatedly to give up this life. Why should we share your karma? We have our own karma. We don't want to share your karma. Then the wife, he says, oh, you are my beloved. You will definitely, we share everything. So you will share my karma too, right? And she says, it is my bad karma already to be married to one such as you. So I don't need to share any more of your karma. You keep your karma. And then the children, he says, oh, you, you know, daddy is so wonderful, right? You will share some of the bad karma of daddy, right? And the children say, We don't know what bad karma is, but it sounds bad. We don't want it. We don't want it. And so then, what returns back to the forest is a very dejected Valmiki. He's so dejected. He's so upset with himself. And he says, He is overcome with remorse. So many people I have killed, and so many people ill-gotten I've got all these ill-gotten gains with a sense of entitlement. What's going to happen to me now? Thinking like this, dejected, distracted, he unties poor Narada, who is, you know, tied up there. And Narada says, What? You went so angry and now you are crying. What happened? He says, Oh, please don't torture me anymore. Find me a way. Of getting washing off this karma. And he says, there is one way you take the name of Bhagavan. Say Rama, 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 Rama. And he says, what will that do? That is a soap, that is a very effective soap, that will wash off all the papa. It is an internal soap external soap you use while bathing that cleans the outside <laughs> but what cleans the inside is hari namai vakevalam harir namai vakevalam so the nama of hari harir nama the nama of lord hari is what clears this internal dirt raga dvesha, strong prejudices strong strong preferences and all this is possible if you just take the name of Lord Rama. How long should I repeat? Until, you know, I come back, he says. Just like that. Until I come back, you repeat. And Narada is a traveller in all the three Lokas. When is he going to come back? He himself doesn't know. He just says that flippantly and goes away. And while Miki sits and doesn't move, keeps on chanting Rama, 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 Rama. And very soon, trees grow around him and ant hill grows around him. He's unmindful of the ants. Even one ant we cannot stand. But imagine sitting in the middle of a uh, fire ant hill. Fire ants are those big, big sized ants. And when you are bitten, it's like being on fire. He was unmindful of all that. And then even the ants probably thought him to be safe and perhaps did not bite him. And the cow would come and milk itself spontaneously into his mouth because he didn't even get up for food. Nothing. He just sat sat there and chanted Rama, Rama. And many, 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 many years later, Narada happened to go, go past that forest. And suddenly he heard Rama. Rama. Rama coming and he says, "When? What? What? Oh, the ant hill is chanting. How can the ant hill chant?" And then he cleared it and he found now Valmiki, aged, white white hair, white beard, still chanting, Rama "Rama, Rama, 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 Rama." And he dusts him off and he says, "You know what? You are." clear inside no more papa karma you have been transformed and now what should i do now he says now write the story of lord rama which is itself a teaching for you he says but i don't know the story of La- lord rama he says okay i will tell you in a hundred verses and this is what is called shatashloki ramayana hundred verse ramayana narada relates in short and then Valmiki composes the entire, you know, the entire uh, Ramayana. Very, very beautiful. And this again, this story shows how it is never too late to repent. To To have repentance is never too late. To have the ability to transform oneself is never too late. No matter how hopeful, hopeless, no matter how dreadful one thinks one's life is. It's never too late to change. Once you make up your mind to change, the whole universe, it's as though throws flowers at you. Because this is your destiny. And if you follow your destiny of growing into a saint, food is taken care of, shelter is taken care of, everything is taken care of. Yes, while Mickey was not in a five-star hotel, the ant hill was his shelter. But that's okay. It is what it's it's what you need is given. Food was given to sustain him. Everything was given. When everything is given, when one follows one one's destiny of transforming oneself into a saint. So I leave you with these just some food for thought. Some closing words because people keep saying I want some sadhana give me some homework so here is the homework and what is the homework a little bit we can incorporate a little kindliness a little kindness a little compassion a little you know sometimes the 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 mind is running and with the mind is also running the 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 work speech and when we tell the speech to be just silent a little bit, then we, uh, the, the mind has some time to recuperate from real and perceived difficulties, insults, fears, feeling wronged, all these things. And when the mind has a chance to recuperate and there is a little bit of a space between I, the witness, and the mind, then there is some time for this transformation to take. So, the next time somebody says something unkind to you, stop. You don't have to be kind in return. Just don't say anything for a few seconds. Count. Sometimes you need to count 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, etc. Sometimes you have to say 100, 99, 98, depending on how difficult the situation is. So, count down and when you are counting down mentally do not retaliate give yourself the privilege to be able to respond to the situation not react to the situation if you react to the situation the beast within one is is responding the animalistic uh, person who doesn't think who is impulsive who just you know wants to retaliate but When we give ourselves the privilege of just a few seconds, a few minutes to come up with an answer, already there is space. It's a two-step response. It is not a reaction, it's a response. And so therefore, that becomes much more. That itself is uh, putting oneself well on the way uh, of the road to kindness. The road to kindness comes in small measures, the road to compassion, the road to the second kind of transformation that one has to initiate, comes through the lived life, a little bit at a time. Bit by bit we grow and bit by bit we, we, we learn how to be our best selves. And growth is best done in person. So have a little, you know, com- you know growth buddy, make a friend, in the ashram or anywhere you are, make a friend and then you decide to grow together. And that is the most effective way of growing. Thank you very much. Om Purnamadaf Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyate Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnamivava Shishyate Om Shanti 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 Harihi Om Shri Gurubhyo Namaha Harihi Om Thank you so much.
1: Shugharatri,
0: good night.